episode of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. Grab a seat at the table as Masters Rowing coaches Marlene Royal and Rebecca Caro share their biggest secrets on how to unleash your hidden potential and plot a new course for real results on the water and off. Now, on to the show. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. I'm Rebecca Caro, and today we're going to be talking mainly about how to set club priorities. By that, I mean the different groups in your club and what your wants and needs are. Or as our treasurer says, we have champagne tastes on a beer budget. But before I get into that, I want to announce that we have published the State of Masters Rowing Report 2023. This is a survey we did a while back with our membership, people on our newsletter, people who were in the Masters Rowing International Facebook group, who kindly told us what their rowing was like, how often they rowed, what they spend on their rowing, do they go to camp, how often do they race, what do they use in terms of data tracking, are there challenges they're facing, and so on. It makes for really interesting reading for you, for your club board or committee, so that you can compare what it's like in your local situation with what others are experiencing. Now, the full report is published on Faster Masters Rowing blog. So that's uh, just go to our blog page or search for State of Masters Rowing 2023. Here are some of the top level findings that we think you want to know about. The first thing is that the operational structure and strategy for masters rowing needs revision. There are going to be significant changes to masters participation over the coming years. Based on the results we found, we are going to predict annual increases in over 40s starting learn to row classes of between two to 5% a year. And of course, many of these new rowers will, after they finish their course, want to join clubs, continue in the sport, and most masters stick around for 10 years or more. The obvious implications of this are pressure on club size, equipment availability and coaching, as well as club finances. But of course, the opportunity is more revenues, growing participation and a much higher profile for rowing as a proactive, friendly and pretty much age agnostic sport. We do know that there are going to be some things that are going to have to change. And so the summary of the report runs through some of the things that you might have to plan for. And of course, we very much hope you'll download the report. It's completely free to download and tell us what you learn from it. Which, of course, feeds very nicely into our setting club priorities theme for today's podcast. This actually got kicked off because a club wrote to us and said that they were just rethinking some of their operational requirements and training priorities as a master's group. And did I have any templates or things that I could share? And it was a great question to be asked because, of course, you do bump into these sorts of things from time to time, but pulling them all into one place really made it a good opportunity to look at club strategy overall. So let's talk 
overall about what a master's group might need operationally. Now, most clubs have boats, other sorts of equipment like oars, sometimes electronics, sometimes indoor rowing machines. So for the sort of program that you run and the sort of group that you have, what are your needs? Where I row, we don't use indoor rowing machines very often because we can get on the water throughout the year unless the weather is really bad. Other parts of the world, of course, indoor rowing is essential through the winter months because you can't get on the water. So take a look at what are the things that you would like to have access to um, and what have you got now? And obviously, what have you not got and would like to have in the future? Part of this includes looking at the equipment that the club's got. When we did our most recent review, we made a list of all the boats, you know, singles, doubles, pairs, so on, all the way up. We looked at two additional bits of information. One was the age of the boat when it was first purchased. And secondly, the athlete weight that it was designed for. And what we found was that there are three broad groupings of boats. Those for women only, which are typically for athletes between 60 and 70 kilos. Those for mixed crews, which we call mid-weight, because it could be a lighter weight men's crew or a mixed men's and women's crew. And these are around 80 kilos, maybe 85 kilos average. And then men's boats, which are 90 kilos and above. We took a look at the full fleet and wrote down which boats fitted into which of those three categories. And then we looked at their age and their state of repair so that we were able to say that, you know, these boats are really definitely getting to their end of life. These are ones that have got uh, get, get a lot of use, will continue to give a lot of use. Are they good enough for racing? Are they training boats only? Is the hull design better for beginners? Because we have a few boats that have um, a slightly more forgiving shape, so a slightly flatter hull. Um, so they're easier to balance. Some of them are easier to steer than others. And then we had a look at where the gaps were, because for us, there were some very obvious gaps. We didn't have a women's weight single, like none at all. We also had only one double that was suitable for um, so two doubles that were suitable for women. And we have a large demand on doubles. So, you know, that was an obvious priority for discussion. So we think that you might find this another a useful way of going about looking at the operational requirements of equipment and access to equipment. Then we also took a look at training principles. And this was what the person who wrote to me was mainly interested in. What is it about the sort of workouts that you do at your club? And what are the priorities? You know, are you a club that races? Are you a club that does mostly fitness rowing? Do you like to go on long touring type rows? So maybe coastal rowing where you're out for several hours and you bring food and, you know, have a break? Or are you the sort of club that we're an inner city club? We have lots of really busy people who have uh, jobs that they have to get to, some school teachers who obviously have to be at school for the start of class. 
So we know that there are people who always want to train early in the morning in weekdays and who have to leave promptly. And then we have another group of people who's working or home life or who are retired, who have more flexible timetables. And for them, they can row slightly later in the day. And so what that means for us as a club, same boats and oars can be doubled up and used twice in one sort of two and a half hour period, for example, which then means you have a little bit more flexibility around what you can offer to different membership groups. Now, if you're a group that likes to train to race, I found, or rather I was sent, some uh, really helpful principles from a club that's called 612 Endurance. Their coach, James Dundon, wrote this around coaching principles. So this was not about the equipment. It was about the training and the mental and physical attitudes that the athletes bring to their workouts. And he said, we believe in creating a training environment that fully supports the pursuit of mastering the sculling and rowing stroke. We doggedly work on a wide variety of drills to perfect our balance and improve our rhythm. In these regards, our practices can be best described as non-zero-sum games. In this, all participants could achieve a gain or all participants could experience a loss. And we attempt to achieve this standard by using handicap margins, demonstrating the best possible technique as we teach and perform drills, rowing in team boats with one another and monitoring and adjusting our approach as needed. Now, there's a lot more in their mission statement, but do go and look up uh, 612 Endurance. They have a Facebook group and a website, and it's quite clear what they're trying to do. I particularly like one clause that they read, which is, we do not cling to anger or resentment. We recognize those emotions arise in the pursuit of extraordinary challenges, and we embrace them as opportunities to learn and grow. We push one another at practice in creative and surprising ways to enhance our adaptability. And in that realm, we occasionally fail, which resonated really with me. One of the other things that you can look at is things like access to the building if you have to share it with other groups. What are the times of day where your group can afford to be flexible and where other groups can be given priorities? We know a club up the road from us where their river access area is reasonably limited. And so they have different times when different groups are allowed to get on the water so that they can stagger the access and the egress, which it seems pretty sensible. Now let's take a look at group needs. What are the things that your group would really like to be able to do during a year? Do you race? Are there particularly intense times of year when you know you want to train harder because you've got a regatta coming up and therefore could you be given priority? So an example from our club, we have a Saturday jamming session where everybody mixes in together, which applies to everybody all year round with the exception of the weeks leading up to a big regatta when pre-planned crew combinations or lineups want to practice together. In a similar way, 
our club can, Masters Group, can borrow boats which are normally reserved for our juniors and our seniors. And so the club gives us access to them in the run-up to our big regattas. And we have you know two big events in our racing calendar that, that we focus on. And that's great because we then get access to some slightly newer equipment. And we also then have more boats that we can practice in because, as you probably guessed, we don't have enough boats for every double to go out simultaneously on the water at the same time. So I think group needs is quite a good way to start. So each of the coaches or you know leaders of the different groups training in your club, if you named your priorities and just put them down on a bit of paper and then compared them, and these would be boats, club access times and regatta dates, I think you'll find that that makes a really good framework around which to see where are the areas where there's no conflict at all. You know, you want these boats, you want these boats, well, that's fine, you can have them kind of thing. And then where are the areas where there's some overlap of desire and how can you then set priorities that enables a bit of give and take? In my experience, when I was a coach at Tideway Scholar School in London, and I was coaching young juniors, we'd have a coaches meeting, always in the pub, um, where we do exactly this. And we plan for the summer racing season. Each club uh, group coach would come along and say what they wanted to do, what they thought their priority boats were going to be. And then there was a, a little bit of horse trading and discussion. But most of the time, everybody got exactly what they wanted for 80 to 90 percent of their wants. And there was pretty much no argument, which made for very good working relationships within and between the different training groups in the And lastly, I want to move into what I would broadly call um, fundraising. Once you've found these gaps of what you would like compared with what you've got, remember the champagne tastes on a beer budget, masters are very well placed to support the entirety of the club with fundraising, partly because most of us have a little more disposable income than some of the younger people in the club. Some of us are inclined to volunteer and support. And this can be part of the discussion, the quid pro quo around who gets what boats at what times of year. If we fundraise and buy a new boat, can we have priority racing it for the events that matter for us? And then we release it to other groups in the club for the areas where they have priority. Now, fortunately, where where we train, the regattas for the young people are at very different times of year from the masters. Now, I know that this isn't the case, for example, in the UK, where the masters champs, I believe, is in June. And Henley, of course, women's and men's is in July or late June. And so often there's an overlapping desire, I suppose, to race and train at the same times of year. So British Masters Champs usually May, Henley Masters Champs usually July. But I'm sure that with a little bit of um, 
goodwill. Um, these can be uh, ameliorated. Going back to our operational requirements of boats and what we wanted and where the gaps in our equipment provision were, the fundraising that then helped us to set priorities for the fundraising, which we actually chose to put to the membership. What did they think should be our next purchase or purchases? And they're told basically how much is in the bank, how much we expect to have after the membership dues have all been paid, and then what the gap is with regard to uh, buying brand new boats versus refurbishing existing boats or finding secondhand boats. Now, I will say that where I live, secondhand boats are really hard to find, particularly quad skulls. Um, I don't know why. There's <laughs> just, there are, you know, you see singles and doubles coming on the market semi regularly, but for some reason, quads, they're not quite hen's teeth, but they are pretty rare. Now, what are your priorities for your operational requirements for your club? And can you set some club priorities which brings goodwill uh, across and between the different training groups that can really help you set things up so that you have a whole club approach to the equipment and the other um, building and access to other things like trailers and so on, so that everybody gets a little bit of what they want and then understands how the margins are decided. I want to wrap up with a little bit of a reflection about the influence that your first coach had on you. Your robust base technique comes down often to what you actually learned from the person who very first taught you when you first came into the sport. But as coaches, we know we've got to simplify our message for beginners. What we say has to be straightforward. They've got to be able to understand it. And it really is, of course, only a tiny fraction of the full technique story that we could be explaining. But this can backfire. This simplicity seems straightforward. But because athletes hold on to these beginner details about how to row, they take them as orthodoxy. They take them as the full truth and the only truth. Frequently, we need to update these ideas and refine them, but it doesn't happen. And so a lot of athletes get into being what I'd call an intermediate level rower or sculler with some really wrong-headed notions. We've got an upcoming webinar called VIP Day Focus on Boat Skills, which addresses exactly this. It's designed for your intermediate level sculler or rower, if that's you, we really would love you to come along where it will help you move beyond your beginner language to challenge some of the things that you thought were orthodoxy and to help you understand why and where you can advance your own rowing really, really quickly by getting this bigger concept. Our leader is Troy Howell, and he is a specialist in helping people get comfortable in the boat and acquiring the boat skills and oar handling skills that they need to make those boats move better, more smoothly and more quickly. A good example is this. If an intermediate rower says, when do I square the blade? They tend to want a black or white answer. You square the blade at this point. But when you're an advanced rower, you know that the answer is not black and white. It depends. If your boat is rating 18, 
and if your boat is rating 32, when you square the blade can be very different. What your athlete actually needs to understand is the blade needs to be fully prepared, i.e. square, before it goes in the water. Now, the boat moves a lot faster at 32 than it does at 18. And so it may behove you to square and prepare your blade a little earlier. So instead of squaring as your handles go over the toes of your shoes or your wing rigger, you might start your squaring action at half slide a little bit earlier because you have less time at a 32 cadence to get through the recovery and back into the water at the next stroke than you do at 18. That's the sort of subtlety that will really advance your rowing. If you're an intermediate, come along, see what you can learn and use this as a real investment in yourself to kickstart your rowing skills so that you can then step up toward the top end of intermediate and into advanced skills. The day also has a whole load of bonuses, one of which is a self test assessment where we set up a load of skills and experiences and knowledge which you can see whether or not you have. Can I do that? Do I know that? Am I able to do that consistently? And it then allows you to kind of benchmark yourself and gives you a clue about what you should be learning next in your own rowing career, which of course you can then take back to your club, to your coach, to your training group and say, hey, I'd like to learn this. So I very much hope that you'll join us. It's on the 29th of March in the whole of the rest of the world, except for Australia and New Zealand, when it's actually on the 1st of, sorry, let's go back. 29th of February, 2024, but the 1st of March for Australia and New Zealand. All the details are on our website. Just go to the Our Courses page and you'll see it listed there. Very much look forward to seeing you all and come along and enjoy the day. If you've enjoyed this, there's been anything useful that you've heard, please consider supporting us. You're part of the Rowing Chat Podcast Network. Please tell your rowing friends about the show. And if you've learned just one helpful thing from today's episode, please consider supporting the show for as little as $1 per month by visiting fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast.